Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, <laughs> well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb, and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, Jake Heath Van Stratton. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Helen. All right, let's get right to it and meet today's guest. She was the original female correspondent on The Daily Show, the mom on Dog with a Blog, and presently recurring on the CBS drama Wisdom of the Crowd. It's Beth Littleford! <laughs> Hello, Beth. Hello, Jakey. Hello, Helen. Wonderful to see you. Yes, you too. Now, you were on The Daily Show from uh, way, way uh, on back. before they So were doing... many decades ago. Oh. <laughs> really I remember so cranking ago. up the old Marconi and listening to The yes, Daily Show. Yes. It was good times. Uh, now, the show back then when you were doing it wasn't as overtly political as it is now. Is that right? No, it wasn't. I mean, it was, well, first of all, it was like cable access. We didn't have an audience at first. It was 96. We were in the PBS building in New York. Wow. Um, we, had, we had like a small section of it where everyone was just kind of in one big space, and um, you could see like the boom shadow, and there was a big, there was a big uh, plug behind the desk that you could see in the early episodes. Well, actually, you can't even find the early episodes. They're long gone. Well, did they really? tape over them? They lost, they sort of they, they like, lost the kinescope Stuart, of the I early Daily Show? Stuart came in, he was like, we don't need these. <gasps> oh, no! Yeah, so the first two and a half years, it's very hard to find. Now, you went from that to do a whole bunch of other things, but what you've been most known for lately is a kid's show, Dog with a Blog. Well, guess who the eight-year-old in the audience is a fan? <gasps> yeah. Wow. Yeah. DWAB, job, baby. Buddy. Dog with a Blog. Did you recognize her right away? What? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Let right. me teach you a little thing about Hollywood. When someone asks if you recognize them right away, you said, oh my gosh, yes, of I course. I was freaking out. Yes. It's all very exciting. Oh my exciting. God, selfie. Yeah. Well, what's it like being recognized uh, from your time on The Daily Show and your other acting projects versus being recognized for a kid's show? Well, what's nice, it's extra special nice when the parent recognizes me from The Daily Show and the kid recognizes me from Dog with Blog, because that does oh, happen. Oh, that's it's adorable. really cute. Really? It's really cute. Yes, um, it's very adorable. Um, no, the kids, the kids get a little more, ooh, they get caught up. They want, you know, they, they pack up and they descend on you in the mall. And, and are and, they and come, able to come, differentiate between you, an actor, versus a mom who, uh, with a talking dog? Um, not a ton, depending on the age. The, I, I have had a lot of younger ones say, how does the dog talk? Does the dog really talk? How does the dog type? How does the dog, you know? I'm not even that young, and I want to know the answers to those questions. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Beth Littleford. We'll be talking to you more in a minute. Our next guest is a comedian and host of the long-running, award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny. It's Jimmy Pardo! Hi, Beth. Jimmy Pardo! Hello. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, nice JT. Hello, Helen Hong. Nice to see you, Jimmy. Nice to see you. I need to point out immediately so I don't get yelled at at home. My son is 10 years old. He's, He's not 10. eight. He's 10. He's not eight. I'm yeah. sorry. Everybody, oh. I, saw my, I saw my wife even, like, comfort him because I know he was like, oh. I don't think I'm eight, eight, not 10. Oh, so, I'm so sorry. I, I, know eight. Eight. I thought he was 20. I don't know how children work. 
He thinks he's 22. So I, saw him, I saw him drinking a beer, so I was like, oh, mm. so advanced. Not that we're implying they don't check IDs or enforce local laws at the Angel City <laughs> Brewing Company. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. Of course they do. All right, Jimmy. Yes. Never Not Funny is a long-running podcast. How long has that podcast been on? Uh, since 2006. Wow! What? You were yes. the first You're podcaster a... ever. I'm, uh... Wow. They called me a pioneer, and you I were... accept the word. <laughs> yes, you actually go out in trailers and uh, long coats and, uh... Yeah, and we murder and pillage. <laughs> That's how the podcast world works. <laughs> now, this, of course, is our first show. What, what's the secret to your longevity? Well, how can I learn and or steal from you? Me? That's the secret. Um, well, so far, so good. Uh, uh, you've already got me. You've already got the... Uh, you know, I don't know what the secret is. Give something people enjoy, and I think you guys are doing that. Oh, bless your oh, heart. Thanks. Look at that. Thanks. Right? What do you think of... We've been blessed by a godfather of podcasting. Thank I feel really you, good. Don Jimmy, please, will you give us your blessing? Uh, <laughs> although we're going to get sued for Meta Corolla because he calls himself the podfather. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Well, oh. I, I think call... it's weird, too. Okay, good. As long as, <laughs> yeah. as long as we're all in agreement. Yeah. All right, good. Uh, now, you've got a new spinoff podcast. I do. Tell us about that. Uh, it's called Playing Games with Jimmy Pardo, and it is a... I don't think this concept's going to take off. It's a game show podcast. What? I think this thing's dead in the water. That dead sounds, in the water. Wow. That sounds crazy. Uh, it is a... Uh, well, ours is a little different. Ours is a chat game show where we chat for a little while, then we get to the game. Oh. Oh. Um, yikes. And, yeah. Well, but you guys don't have, like, celebrity guests or anything. We also have a celebrity guest. Oh, yes. God. Oh, so uh, we get crushed like a J grape. So I, Keith, gonna... I think you may have to arm wrestle Jimmy Pardo. Yeah, that'll solve it. Can... Uh, <laughs> I suggest we shark jet this thing out in the parking lot and fight. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Luckily, uh, the podcast playing. game is nothing like Highlander. It's not a, there can only be one No, there could be at least several thousand yeah. from, what, from what I've gathered. Disagree. <laughs> Just the one, Helen, stay out of it. All right, well, we'll see. No, no, but it's called Playing Games. It's a comedy game show. And uh, it, like you said, it's a spinoff of Never Not Funny. It's a way, Never Not Funny is two hours long each, uh, each week, and some people find that to be a little daunting. Mm. So we decided to do it in a little more edible uh, concept of giving it, uh, it's uh, 30 minutes, and it's a little bit more formatted, and it's a lot of fun. Excellent. So I listened to an episode, and I enjoyed games. it very much. Obviously, we're not enemies. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy Pardo, ladies and gentlemen. All right, of course, we are here to talk to you about areas of expertise that you have. Now, each of our guests gave us three areas of expertise uh, for us to talk about. Uh, Jimmy, you said your expertises are 1980s music, yes. the band Chicago, mm -hmm. and post-90s Chicago White Sox. Wow. And please allow me to say, right on brand. Yes. Uh, yeah, did it, was any of my fans surprised by that? Yeah, I don't anybody happy with me something, using the word fans. Something tells me you're from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I'm from the south side of Chicago, which of course we all know from uh, my buddy Jimmy Croce. That's the baddest part of town. Oh. <laughs> uh, I am not an expert, by the way. I've just, uh, those are three things I like. Oh, okay, oh. I'm sorry. We, we, we I'm kind of already, oh, well, this, this is, is going to be a really short Yeah, game. you're already saying, who wrote, who wrote these crap ideas? <laughs> Uh, all right, Beth, you told us that you're very knowledgeable about old-school funk music. I love it. Artificial sweeteners. Ooh. I eat a lot of it. And therapy. I've been in a lot of it. Okay, well, uh, later on we'll ask each one of you some in-depth questions about one of those topics. I know which one I'm hoping for for Beth, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> sweeteners! <laughs> uh, but first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. 
Here's how it works. I'll ask the both of you a question that's worth up to three points, though partial credit is possible. If neither of you knows the answer, you can work together to solve it or just rely on your own logical mind. Today's subject, the best. Here's the question. We all hope for the best possible outcome, but we may not know how to describe it. So please discuss and tell us what is the difference between optimal and optimum? Optimal and optimum. I'm going to recuse myself because I know the answer. Beth, you go ahead and figure this oh. out. Oh, wow. Bastard. Bastard. I know out one has gate. something to do with Transformers, right? <laughs> I think that's Optimus. Oh, that's Optimus. Optimus yes. Once yes. again, I must recuse myself. Okay. <laughs> I, wait, wait, Beth, did you hear it? Well, optimal means the best. Is one an adjective and one a noun? That's, that could be. We'll let you discuss it, and then uh, we'll ask you for Beth your Beth doesn't seem to want to discuss it, it with me. She's no, already answering and turning you, away. Jimmy yeah. P. May I call you Jimmy P? I welcome it. Um, optimal means the, the best. best. Mm -hmm. Well, then what does optimum mean? The best. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I must go this back to the I'm concept of this segment. What is the difference? <laughs> oh, dang. All right. Wait, optimum would be... The, well, optimum is like... Isn't optimum like optimum the... That's the best possible yeah. outcome, right? No? Maybe? Beth? Optimum performance. Or is it optimal performance? <laughs> what about an optometrist? Does he play into this at all? Ophthalmologist, <laughs> what's the difference? I don't... Optometrist. No, no, okay, so optimal. I just know optimal means the best, you know, so yes, optimal performance, optimal gas mileage, right? Like optimal. Is it? Uh, yeah. Or do we just hear it that way in our heads? Like we, we just assume it's optimal, but they're saying it's the optimum gas. No, it's not optimum gas mileage. That sounds horrible. It does sound horrible. Okay. It does, see? Okay, it why? Why does it sound wrong? Why, right. why does it sound wrong? My ear did not care for it, Helen Hong. <laughs> <laughs> my ear did not like the way that Fair that enough. sounded coming out of yeah. my wonderful... But is there a reason why your ear did not care for it? It just, it didn't sound right, right? Now, you don't have to agree. You can go, uh, you can go your own way to quote... I mean, uh, listen. Fleetwood Mac? Yeah, thank you. I don't have that much skin in the game here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... Optimum's a noun and optimal's an adjective. Okay, Jimmy, do you want to uh, stick with that or you want to go off on your own? What, what did Beth just say? I want to make sure that I understood what she said. I said optimal's an adjective mm -hmm. and optimum is a noun. Optimum is that reality show about that English mother. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I know that it's not fun uh, scoring-wise, but I'm going to agree with Beth on that. Okay, so you, you guys are both going to agree yes. that uh, optimum is a noun and optimal is an adjective. Yikes. Let's go uh, to Helen at the judges' table for the facts. Helen. Optimal is an adjective. Well, that is correct. Thank you. Optimum is a noun. Oh, my God. That is correct. I was not sure about that, but I got it. However, here's the curveball portion of this question. Optimum can also be an adjective. I kind of knew that. I should have said that. Nothing makes sense anymore. I should have said that. Yes. So you did get two out of the three portions of that. Oh, I should have said it. I also said verb. I feel like I should get something for that. Nothing at all. Hey, I believe that would be minus one for that. Do you still want that? No, not so much. All right. Yeah, that's right. Now, while both words do mean the best, and both words can be used as adjectives to describe the best, only optimum can also be used as a noun. Now, fun fact: optimum is a term that was invented by scientists in the 19th century to describe the most favorable condition for growth and reproduction of an organism, which is also how I describe this show. 
Uh, it started to get used as an adjective a few decades later at around the exact same time that optimal came to be used as an adjective. So Helen, what is our score then after that first round? Our score is two points for each, Jimmy and Beth. He's on my Very good, they're off to a good start. We'll Jimmy's be back for more tail. right after this on Go Fact Yourself. Say, Helen, that's a kicky top you're wearing. Thanks, Jay Keith. I got it from XCVI. XCVI? Yes, XCVI. It's Roman numerals for 96. But why? Because the company was founded in 1996, and they've been making high-quality clothes ever since. Sounds expensive. It is. What? Jay Keith, although XCVI is headquartered right here in downtown LA, all their materials are certified fair trade. That may make the clothes more expensive, but it also means you're doing good while looking good. That's two types of good. Uh-huh. And you can save 10% by going to xcvi.com and using code HELEN at checkout. Offer valid through February 28th, 2018. You're a coupon. I sure am. <laughs> XCVI. Fashion you can live in. I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. We host the podcast, One Bad Mother. We're a podcast for when you have a new baby and motherhood is not what you expected it would be. We're a podcast for when you're working full time, parenting the rest of the time, and parenthood is not what you expected it would be. We're a podcast for when you decided to stay home with your kid full time, and it's not what you expected it would be. We are a podcast for when your kid does something that you didn't expect a child of yours would ever do, and you reacted in a way you never thought you would. Why would you put a hose into the mail slot and turn it on? <laughs> we are a podcast for moms, dads, parents of all kinds. We're even a podcast for people who are not yet parents or are not even sure they want to be parents. One Bad Mother. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Beth Littleford with two points and Jimmy Pardo with two points. Once again, here's Jay Keith Van Stratton. Thanks, Helen Hong. Now, Beth Littleford, of your many interests, you told us that you know a lot about old school funk music, mm -hmm. artificial sweeteners, mm -hmm. and therapy. Today, we want to talk with you about artificial sweeteners. Oh, yay. I am a bit of an expert. Right. Delicious. Artificial sweeteners, which rarely get applause. So I'm sure <laughs> How are you an expert on this? <laughs> I've been ingesting artificial sweeteners since a very young age. All right. Oh. And, uh, do you How have do you a, feel? Do you, yeah. I feel fine. No cancer yet. <laughs> do you have a favorite artificial sweetener? I do. Which is? Sweet and low. Really? It's the, it's the old school yeah, artificial wow. sweetener. It really mm -hmm. is. It was the first invented. Okay. And um, who remembers Tab? I did not like TAB, actually, but TAB had saccharin in it. It was the, kind of the last cola with saccharin in it. I got turned on to it by my mother, who drank a lot of iced tea with Sweet and Low. Ooh. And I have some in my bag, some iced tea with Sweet and Low. I no. snuck it in Angel City Brewery. Don't confiscate it. It's important to me. <laughs> Wait, you have some iced tea with Sweet and Low in your bag, or yes. you just have packets of Sweet and Low in your Both. bag? Wow. <laughs> wow. You, you truly yeah. are an expert. Yes. You're, you're, Take that, I, Beyonce, with your hot sauce. Got, uh... <laughs> you also might be an addict. And I mean, what is I don't your... wanna... You think? <laughs> What is your preferred delivery method for artificial sweetener? Is it, is it iced tea? Yes, it's iced tea all day long. I used to be a heavy smoker, so I've replaced that oral fixation with another, which is that I, I go to McDonald's every day, 
I get two um, extra large unsweetened iced teas, light on the ice, uh, two lemons on the side. They don't have sweet and low, so I keep a giant baggie of it in my purse like an old woman. Wow. And I put three sweet and lows in each. Wow, yeah. I feel so good that we did not choose old school funk music. I don't think we would ever would have learned any of this about Beth Littleford. Uh, 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 all right, now Beth, we're going to have a question for you to ponder, but first to show that this is a legitimate interest of yours, as if that has not been demonstrated already. I think it's been Here are five trivia ahead. questions about artificial sweeteners. Each one is worth one point. Here we go. Number one, many sodas use artificial sweeteners. What is the world's best-selling diet soda? Coke is the... It's like Coke and Jesus are the most popular, like, you know, aren't they? Okay, here's my thinking. I would say, I, I, I feel where you're going, you and I'm gonna going to argue Coke for, is right? more popular than Jesus, probably. In the world. Yes, internationally, mm-hmm. Coke is the most recognized brand symbol. Uh, this is what I've heard. Okay. So I'm going to extrapolate from that ah. and say Diet Coke is going to be the most popular Diet. All right, your answer is Diet Coke. Helen, what are the facts? That is correct. Diet Coke is the most popular diet soda in the world. And I don't like Diet Coke, so I'm glad I knew that. Very good. All right, here's number two. I love it. (laughs) Coca-Cola zero sugar for me. Coca-Cola zero sugar. Love it. They keep branching off into their new little, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about them going from Coke zero to Coca-Cola zero sugar? I was 100% on board uh, initially, Jay Keith, and Mm -hmm. now I've come back. I just had a Coke zero by mistake the other day, and I miss it. Mm. Ah. So uh, I'd like him to go back to the Coke Zero, and I'm going to talk to some folks about it. Wow. Okay, good. Well, uh, please update us and check our website for the latest okay. on that. <laughs> Number two, Beth Littleford, about artificial sweeteners. What artificial sweetener was banned in 1981 as a food additive, but was still available to be purchased in pharmacies as long as it had a warning label? Oh, shoot. You know, and I, this is the one that I think is the neurotoxin and that I don't use because it does give me headaches. I think it's aspartame, also known as NutraSweet. Aspartame. Helen, what about the facts? No, the answer is saccharin. Oh, that's the one I use! Sweet and low. Damn it. Yes. More bad news for me. Yeah, sweet and low. (laughs) Saccharin was banned in 1981 as a food additive, but the ban was lifted in 2000. So... Saying I'm okay. You're back in love with six packs a day. That's right. All right, here now is number three for Beth Littleford. Scary. What artificial sweetener was accidentally discovered in 1965 when scientists were developing an anti-ulcer drug? Okay, I think that one, because in the 60s was when aspartame first came about. Like, saccharin was long before, but aspartame was the second one to come about. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say... Plus, that was the height of the ulcer crisis. I mean, it was the height of the, Everyone knows it was the height of the ulcer crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to say aspartame NutraSweet. Helen? That is correct. Aspartame. Here's your fourth question. When NutraSweet was introduced in 1984, what confection containing the sweetener did the manufacturer mail out to millions of U.S. households? Confections? Mm-hmm. Do you know what a confection is? is it, I think confectioner's sugar, mm-hmm. and I think of confections as um, sort of like puffy spun candies. Mm-hmm. Would you like a hint? You can ask for a hint. Oh, yes, I want a hint. Okay. <laughs> uh, the hint is, is that the item is round. It's not helpful at all. It's a round confection. A round confection. Can you ask, can is, it, is it spherical or is it flattened and round? It's spherical. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. So it's a gumball. Are you going to say gumball is your answer? Well, what's spherical? Oh, it could be like a hard candy. Um, mm. I'm thinking jawbreaker or like pepperminty candy or hard gumball. 
Um, but I'm going to say, what does everybody like? They like a mint. They like a round mint? You're going to say round mint. Helen. <laughs> the answer is gumball. It's gumball. Oh, I should have it. You know what? They say that yeah. on the SATs, the first, the first one to come to your mind. I said right. gumball first, didn't I? I do appreciate using a number two pencil, though, but no, that answer is incorrect. Oh, yeah. All right, here's your last of your trivia questions. Now, this is a question about an artificial, artificial sweetener. In a 1980 movie, one of the main characters thinks she's killed her boss by confusing rat poison <gasps> with an artificial sweetener called Skinny and Sweet. What's the movie? Nine to five! She doesn't oh, win the challenge. Am I allowed to nine cuss to on this five. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right, nine to five. Which nine I, to five. Dolly just, Parton, God love her. You gotta love her. Oh, I do. There, is there anyone movie. who doesn't like Dolly Parton? I will cut you. I would, who doesn't like Dolly Parton? You. I would like her even if she did kill her boss with rat poison. Yeah, that boss really Coleman. deserves to just be. Oh. All right. Uh, you've done quite well in that uh, category. And now here is your question to ponder or pander. The correct answer is worth three points. We're, yeah, we're not. That's right. That is the correct answer or response. We are looking for three answers. What are the best-selling brand names for each of these chemicals? Aspartame, Nutrisweet. sucralose, Spunda. and stevia. I know this one because it's the one that gives me headaches. Uh-huh. And that, it's the one that was used most popularly, it, you know, Diet Cokes and all that. Okay. Uh, Splenda. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Nutrisweet. Nutrisweet. All right. Nutrisweet. Okay, so, so just to clarify, the best-selling brand name for aspartame is? Nutrisweet. Okay. And then what's the best-selling brand name for sucralose? Splenda. Okay. And then what's the best-selling brand name for stevia? People always say, like, why don't you use stevia? Just use stevia. It almost is like its own brand name. But I do know that I believe Coca-Cola, I was up for a VO, didn't get it, <laughs> for the, the brand Truvia. All, All right. right. Well, we're going to find out because we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have? Here with us tonight, we have food scientist and author of the book, Why Humans Like Junk Food. Please welcome Dr. Stephen Witherly. Stephen Witherly. Hello, Dr. Witherly. Please take a seat. Thank you so much. Thank you so, thank you so right. much. Well, let's give a little bit of your bona fides. Uh, you are a food scientist, a food historian. Tell us about some of the things that you've studied. Well, I have a PhD in nutrition, a master's in food science, and I'm a dietitian, and I've had a passion of trying to figure out why people like junk food. It drove me nuts trying to figure out, so I wrote a book on it, and since that time, I realized that the junk food industry is so powerful, there's no stopping it, and it made me sad. Oh, oh wow. wow. Sad Bummer. But it's delicious. <laughs> it is delicious, Jimmy. Delicious. You're, you're not wrong. I love Cheetos. Yes. Oh, okay. You're not immune. You're not above it. It gets on your hands, it gets on your lips, and then you lick off yellow number five. Yeah. Dr. Withel, you've also studied and written about artificial sweeteners in particular. Tell us about some of the work you've done in that field. Yeah, I work with them quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I'm a food formulator, and I've worked with all of them, from uh, aspartame to sucralose, splenda to Truvia, which is a mixture of stevia. Don't tell us yet! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Well, as a food scientist, we work with the pure, uncut stuff. Ooh. Whoa. The stuff that didn't come out right. Uh, uh, the pure compounds. Now, a lot of these sweeteners claim that they're X amount of times sweeter than sugar. How, how is that measured? How do you see how or... Uh, that, that's, a, that's a very, very good question. How is it measured? It's estimated. Uh, oh, wow. That doesn't sound like science. <laughs> 
It's estimated by tongue-binding assays. I know that sounds crazy. But for example, uh, Splenda is 600 times. Uh, we use a lot of something called acesulfame K. That's 280 times. Aspartame is about 300 times sweeter in sugar. But when you mix them together, they have synergistic properties. So I can't keep track with all the sweeteners out there. All the, all the, they keep switching around. Uh, we mentioned that, uh, first of all, is it aspartame, aspartame, uh, aspartame? It's aspartame, uh, but the uh, uh, scientist called aspartame. Oh, so if I want to sound like a scientist, I'll say aspartame. Yes, but don't quote me. Okay. <laughs> Wait, no so one... every time we say aspartame, there's a scientist that's like, layman idiot. <laughs> mocking us. Now, we did mention that that substance uh, was discovered while working on an anti-ulcer drug. In fact, most of these artificial sweeteners were accidental discoveries. Yeah, it's pretty funny. When I was going to school and learning about these artificial sweeteners, they are so powerful. Uh, Splenda, imagine a Splenda in a cup. The tip of a pin of the pure substance will sweeten that whole cup. <gasps> and so when you're, when you're developing these products, I had something called Neotame in my laboratory. Neotame is 10,000 times sweeter than sugar. I knocked it over. I breathed it in, and my whole garage lab tasted sweet for months. Wow. <laughs> did, you have any, did you have any visions you can tell us about? <laughs> that doesn't sound dangerous at all. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's get to uh, why you're here and why you've joined us as far as the game goes. You heard Beth's answers. Uh, please tell us. The correct answers for what are the best-selling brands of aspartame, sucralose, and stevia? Aspartame would be NutraSweet, and sucralose would be Splenda, and stevia, it's a cargo company called Truvia. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Helen, how did Beth do on that? Beth was three for three in that round. Congratulations. And now while we have our expert here, uh, the guests, anything else you would like to ask? Jimmy, I understand, as we referred earlier, you, you were a big drinker of diet soda. I drink uh, diet sodas a lot, uh, doctor. Uh, <laughs> these rumors of cancer, true or false? Well, uh, it's, uh, was Diet Coke your favorite? Uh, there's Coke Zero now, it's uh, Coke uh, uh, Zero do, Sugar. Do, do they still use a spar team in there? I can't answer that, I don't, I don't read any labels. Okay. <laughs> there is rumors that a spar team is addictive. Well, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I drink nine a day. What about the neurotoxicity? A, uh, I thought it was a neurotoxin. It's broke, well, that's funny. Uh, uh, aspartame is broken down to, it's made of aspartic acid and phenylalanine. Phenylalanine's for PKU people, can't have it. And unfortunately, when uh, aspartame breaks down, there's a methanol group that comes off it. So oh, just a little methanol. <laughs> So that's where that, that rumor came in. But, but I, got, I think I got headaches from it. So, we, like I said, I, I don't use it, I don't formulate with it anymore because of that methanol group. But Beth is fine putting three uh, sweet lows into two large iced teas twice oh, a day. Oh, yeah, it's fine. All right, it's excellent. Six, yeah, it's yeah. six sweet lows. Thanks. Thanks. Let's thank the sweetest food scientist we know, Dr. Stephen Witherly. <laughs> Helen, let's recap our scores. Well, Beth had a great last round. She had six points in that round, plus the two in the first, so she's at a total of eight points right now. Jimmy's at two points, and his segment is coming up. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, you, you're eager to get in there. We appreciate it. I'm excited to have the two points. <laughs> we'll see if Jimmy can add to that total when we come back right after this on Go Fact Yourself.
And now, a word from our sponsor. Jay Keith, you like playing games, right? Why, yes, Helen. In fact, you may not know, but I host a game show. I do know. Well, then you'll love two great new board games from Playford Games. They're called Ilios and Capere. Ilios and Capere? Yeah. They're social abstract strategy games, easy to learn and made for two to four players. Wow. Who designed these games? Capere is designed by Paul Ali, and Ilios is designed by Elliot Hochberg, a cast member on Never Not Funny, the Jimmy Pardo podcast. Jimmy Pardo? Why, he's on the show people are listening to at this very moment. Both Ilios and Capere are available right now at PlayfordGames.com. PlayfordGames.com? PlayfordGames.com. Yay! Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Beth Littleford with eight points and Jimmy Pardo with two points. Once again, here's Jay Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Jimmy Pardo. Yes, sir. Of your many interests, you told us that you know a lot about 1980s music. Yes. The band Chicago. Yes. And post-90s Chicago White Sox. Yes. Today, we want to talk to you about... What? <laughs> 1980s music. Oh. That's fun. Can I pipe up? I love 1980s music, too. And I have to say, this was a little tricky for the show, because if uh, another contestant had chosen the band Chicago or post-90s Chicago White Sox, you would be our experts. <laughs> <laughs> about 80s music. It's a big... Chicago, the band, would be number one. Number two is 80s music, but it's a, it's a big... It's a big, Here's a big gap. Well, let's explore that gap now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, actually, before you got into comedy, you worked in the music business. I did. I, worked, I managed record stores for a lot of years, then I ended up working for MCA Records uh, back when uh, vinyl was still huge, and uh, of course, it's making wow. a comeback. But uh, yeah, I, uh, Tiffany, I sold a lot of Tiffany records, mm -hmm. oh. and uh, Fine Young Cannibals, and I made a lot of money off of Bobby Brown. Made a lot of money off of Bobby Brown. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Did you ever get to interact with these artists? Bobby Brown, uh, one time at a uh, record uh, executive function, uh, followed me everywhere. Really? Yes. No matter where I went, I would turn around and there would be Bobby Brown right behind me. Uh, one time I said, well, I'm going to get away from Bobby Brown because it's kind of creeping me out. Uh, so I went to get a Sunday at the Sunday bar, and I turned around, and who else get a Sunday? Bobby Brown. Wow. wow. Well, Jimmy, that is his prerogative. It is, literally. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, yeah. It was right there. Mike dropped. Yep. Right there. Don't Nicely be cruel. Nicely done. <laughs> we took it step by step. All right. I can do this all day long. What, what do you love about 1980s music so much? I think it's uh, the nostalgia, obviously, and that's what I listened to. I, I, you know, from 78 uh, to 90 is when I bo uh, bought the most music, and I still kind of just revisit that constantly and rebuy that on whatever format they want to give me. So I, I probably <laughs> You're have, a big vinyl collector now. I do co I'm back to collecting vinyl, which is awful, because it, when I moved out to L.A. Uh, X amount of years ago, I sold my 1,000... Plus vinyl oh, collection. Not, that sounds low now. I think it was like five thousand pieces of vinyl, and then I sold a it all. Thousand doesn't sound low. Five thousand sounds insane. Well, thousand sounds low. I mean, okay, fair enough. I had a lot, but I, I think I'm back to like a thousand. So you're trying to recollect all the. I'm trying. I'm basically recollecting everything that it may. I might even be buying back my own uh, vinyl. Wow. <laughs> oh man! If only you had put a little watermark on it. I don't do that. Don't filth up the. How dare you! Uh, and do you have an opinion as to sort of what, besides when it was released, what makes an 80s song an 80s song? Is it something you can put your finger on as far as the sound of it? Uh, well, I mean, obviously a lot of synth, but then there's also a lot of guitar. There's also some drums. 
That's music. Okay, so. <laughs> there's also, in the 80s, uh, vocal. So there's a lot oh, going on in the 80s, yeah. Uh, well, Jimmy, we're gonna have a question for you to ponder, but first to show that this is a legitimate interest of yours. Okay. Here are five trivia questions. I've never been more stressed in my life. <laughs> About 1980. She handles sweeteners like a pro. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, Go. number one. You wanna take a deep breath? I'm panicked. Okay, good enough. <laughs> Number one, I think you'll get this. Yes. What 1980s album was the best-selling album two years in a row? Two years, two years in a row? Come on, I know this. Beth? <laughs> Beth, I'm gonna ask you a very serious question. Yeah. Did I interrupt when you were talking no, Stevia? You no, you didn't, no you didn't. When no, you, you were didn't. going on and on about aspartame? No, did no. I interrupt? This is more fun, this is a more fun one. I wanna participate in this one. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a, it, it, uh, it's a toss-up between Lionel Richie uh, and Michael Jackson, remember to go with Michael Jackson's Thriller. Helen? That is correct. Yes! That's right, good job, Jimmy. It was the best-selling album in 1982 and 1983. Yeah. All right, number two. What singer-songwriter hosted the Grammy Awards six times, including four times in the 1980s, despite never winning a competitive Grammy until after he died? You can ask for a hint if you like. Hang on. Okay. Re rephrase the question using the exact same words. <laughs> <laughs> What? Well, it was a singer-songwriter. Yeah, singer-songwriter. All right, let me ask again. But he didn't win till after he died. That's true. So what singer-songwriter hosted the Grammy Award six times, including four times in the 1980s, despite never winning a competitive Grammy until after he died? I, I, I singer-songwriter, I, I, I will take that hint. I have, I, I've got it narrowed down right, to we'll seven. Okay, the first, <laughs> the first two times he hosted in the 1970s, and also he's considered a bit of a country folk singer. I, 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 I want to say John Denver, but I, but I think he might have won when he, uh, when he uh, yelled out the, uh, uh, that frag. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with John Denver. Helen. That is correct, John Denver. John Denver. Wow. I'm surprised by that. Jimmy Pardo is two for two. Here we go. Number three. In 1982, a song written by a man who was 95 years old at the time became an international smash, making him the oldest living songwriter to have a top 10 hit. Who wrote that song? You're not gonna give me the song. I will so, not give you the songs. Like. I think that would give away uh, the songwriter. This is 1982? Yep. <laughs> but the gentleman was not 95 when he wrote it. He just happened to be 95 when it became a big hit. That is correct. In 1982. Mm-hmm. And it went to, you're saying it was a smash of some sort. Smash, international. <laughs> if, if you would like a... I'm gonna have to take another hint. Okay, I don't know if this is a hint, but I'm very proud of this. It's Ryan Coke. How do I get this BS? <laughs> Jimmy, you worked in the music industry in the 1980s. I don't have 95-year-olds. <laughs> Bobby Brown was following you all day yeah. long. This yeah. should be a piece Maybe of cake. Maybe this will teach you not to be so ageist. <laughs> Jimmy, I think this will shake it loose. The artist has one name, and I own an autographed copy of the 12-inch of this song. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I don't know. The artist who had the hit had one name. Yeah. Felco. But the singer... 1982. But the songwriter... I know, Jimmy, I actually, as a fan of your show, I happen to know that not only do you know this song, you know the catalog number... Do I really? ...of the single of this song. Is that true? Because you have mentioned it on your show. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. All right, I'm in A 1982 hit for a one-named artist. Yes, I heard that part. <laughs> 
All right, Jimmy, do you have an answer? I'm going to fold over all my numbers. I do not know. All right, Helen, what was the answer? What was the, Give me the song, okay. and I'll see if I can name the, the artist. The song is a little thing called Puddin' on the Ritz. Oh. Oh, by Irving. The artist was Taco, yeah. and the songwriter, Irving Berlin. Yeah. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it! Sorry, yeah. Jim. <laughs> That's right, Irving Berlin, composer of White Christmas, God Bless America, and the 1982 hit for Taco, Puddin' on the Ritz. <laughs> Wait a minute, and you had this autographed by Taco? I stood in line at Rose Records in what? Chicago. To meet Taco. To meet and get signed in silvery pen. Wow. Taco. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether to. Helen, you I, weren't alive. I don't it's know, okay. <laughs> I don't know whether to think less of you or more of you for that. More. I know that feeling all him. too well in my own head. Uh, Keith, I got a follow up. Yeah. How many people were also in line? <laughs> <laughs> I would say a good, uh, good dozen or two. It was huge. Yeah, yeah. It we was did not huge. have anything else to do much. You know, we, we didn't have cable. Uh, all right, Jimmy, you stumbled on that one. Let's see if you can get back on on question Oh, I didn't four. stumble. I fell off a cliff. I was trying to be nice. Okay, no, we, very good. We're all aware of uh, the scope of your failure. <laughs> um, uh, Jimmy, num number four. Yeah. Of the five James Bond movies released in the 1980s, which one's theme song had the most success on the pop charts? Do I need to name the song or the artist? You need to name the artist or the movie. Is it which... Aha, The Living Daylights? Is that your guess? Yeah. I know I'm not talking it through. I know you want me to talk it through. Uh, I feel that it's Aha, The Living Daylights. Helen. Mm, the answer was A View to a Kill. A View to a Kill by Duran Duran. Damn me to hell. I was thinking oh. that. Beth, did you know that one? I knew, I knew it was Duran Duran. I couldn't think of a view to a kill. Uh, I, I knew it was Duran Duran. I don't know. I don't know why you came up with that. You know, the Aha song from James Bond that nobody knows. <laughs> Certainly Doesn't that's got to be the best selling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jimmy, here's your final trivia question oh. in the subject of 1980s music. It's oh. almost over, Jimmy. <laughs> this is a big area. Yeah. I am, you know, artificial yeah. sweetness is Thank a much you, more yeah. specialized yeah. area of expertise. Be specific. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what music star wrote hit songs for other artists in the 1980s under the pseudonyms Jamie Starr, Joey Coco, and Alexander Nevermind? Prince might be a good guess if I was, <laughs> if I was to uh, gutturally answer and then think it through. I'm going to say, uh, based on uh, what I know from having worked in the record stores and uh, having enjoyed a Sheena Easton song from time to time, uh, I'm going to go with Prince. Helen? That is correct. Prince! Prince. There we go. Ding, ding. He also used the pseudonym Christopher. Yes, he did. I give it away as well. All right, Jimmy. Okay. Here now is your question to ponder or pander. Oh, PRP. Make... Yeah, the old PRP. Mm -hmm. Uh... Here's your question to ponder or pander. You may know this right away. You may need to think on it. The correct answer is worth three points. Okay. Love you guys. Well done. All right, Jimmy, listen closely. An artist had a top 40 song in 1981, and that probably would have been their best-known work because that same year, another song of theirs peaked at number 79. But then, six years later, that song that had peaked at number 79 rocketed to number one thanks to an association with a Hollywood couple. For three points, name the artist, the number one song, and the Hollywood couple. Wow. Oh, jeez. You gotta be... That's insane. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a toughie. You, you think, Helen? That. I think you can get this, Jimmy. Repeat I have that. faith in you. Uh, now, are there hints to this round as Would well? Would you like a hint? 
I, I don't. The song regained popularity thanks to being featured repeatedly on a TV show. And your wife knows it. <laughs> your wife exclaimed from the front row, but it was, zip it. Um, zip it. Wait, let him repeat it. Repeat it, Jacob. You want to repeat the question or the yes. answer? The, everything. Okay. Okay, here we go. An artist had a top 40 song in 1981, and that probably would have been their best-known work because that same year, another song of theirs peaked at number 79. But then six years later, I'm going to say 1987, rocketed to number one thanks to an association with a Hollywood couple. For three points, name the artist, the number one song, and the Hollywood couple. It regained its popularity thanks to being featured repeatedly on a TV show. What are songs that were associated with TV shows? Yeah, in the I understand 80s? the premise of talking it out and, <laughs> and of your question. All I could think of is think of Laura, Christopher Cross, and then from General Hospital. Um, what song was that? The uh, Think of Laura oh. by Christopher Cross. Oh. What was that from? General Hospital. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with Think of Laura by Christopher Cross and General Hospital. I'm going to go. I'm going to lock in with that. I'm either a three for three or zero oh for three. But I took a big swing. And we all appreciate it. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have? Here with us tonight, we have singer, songwriter, and music historian, Grammy winner, Billy Vera. Oh, damn, I know it! <laughs> of course! Please welcome now Billy Vera! Now I know what Vera. it is. <laughs> Hello, Billy. All right, can I say it now? Or do you want him to say it? Uh, you want to say it now, and then we'll have him say it, and we'll see. We I just want to like. say... My father was good friends with your father, Don. Okay, I'm not related. I you know. should know that. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm I, just trying to give you something up here. Unbelievable. <laughs> Jimmy, course, Jimmy course, do you know it now? Of course, it's family ties and at this moment. And uh, the artist? It was Billy Bear and the Beaters. <laughs> and the Hollywood Very good. couple? Uh, and the Hollywood couple? The Hollywood couple uh, would be, was that Michael J. Fox and Tracy Powell? That yeah. is correct. Ooh, ooh, good, he's good. Yeah, yeah I... I had a feeling that our expert might give it away. Um, now, in addition to writing and performing your own songs, we did mention that you're a Grammy winner and music historian. Uh, tell us what you won the Grammy for. I think that's very interesting. Uh, not for my music. <laughs> Why would you win a Grammy for music? I won a Grammy for uh, writing liner notes for the uh, uh, Ray Charles box set, uh, the complete ABC Paramount recordings. Wow. Very good. Did you get to work with Mr. Charles? I, I actually recorded Ray Charles. I, was, I did three Lou Rawls albums for Blue Note Records producing, and then one later for another label. But uh, we had an idea to use Ray as a duet partner. We I got to record. So I called Jerry Wexler, who had produced the great legendary record producer from Atlantic Records, when, who produced Ray in his big star days. And Jerry said, man, you don't produce Ray Charles. You just sit, get out of his way and let him do his thing. So wow. I, I produced Ray Charles. <laughs> you got out of his way. And now, uh, as far as music historian, you've written a book, which I think we have here somewhere. It is my memoir. Tell us about the book that you've written. My book is called Harlem to Hollywood, and it's my little life story. There it is, with young Billy on the top of the book and old Billy on the bottom wow. of the page. And it's, it's, people are liking it, much to my shock and amazement. And then uh, this is your uh, CD called? It's called Big Band Jazz. I always wanted to do a big band album, so I, I got uh, 18 of the best jazz musicians in L.A., and we went into Capitol Studio A, 
and we recorded uh, a big band album, and it's been played on uh, K-Jazz for the last year straight. So. And you're still out gigging uh, in the L.A. area and beyond. Yeah, they won't let me stop, these people. <laughs> Excellent. And in addition, you've also written for other artists. We actually mentioned Dolly Parton earlier. You had a number one hit for Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really got the feeling. Um, 1979 was the number one record for wow. Dolly. Who is, as you say, the nicest person in show business. Wow. And she's a wonderful woman. And I wrote for Ricky Nelson, Fats Domino, back in the early days. And uh, who else recorded my songs? Tom Jones, uh, Robert Plant did one of my songs. Wow. wow. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So let's get to why you're here. Uh, what is the correct answer to the artist, the song, and the Hollywood couple that we reference in our question to Jimmy Pardo? Me. <laughs> <laughs> At this moment by Billy wow. Barron and the Beaters. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, and of course, the Hollywood couple was Michael J. Fox and Tracy Pollan, who were fictional couple on the show and then became a real-life uh, couple. And by the way, they have said in print that they are so sick of hearing my song <laughs> every time they walk into a club. <laughs> That's great. All right, well, our, our, our guest, is there anything that you'd like to ask Mr. Vera while he's here? You know, I just remember I was working at the record store at the time, and everybody would come in and ask for that record, and it was not available yet, and then... Uh, because it was originally, out of, uh, the original was out of print, and then was it Rhino Records that reissued it? Yeah, exactly. It was, Rhino. It was originally on a label called Alpha right. out of Japan, and uh, when, uh, they, when they first time they used it on Family Ties, I, I got a bunch of mail, and I said, man, maybe people like this song, and I went to every record company where they would still pick up my phone, which was not that many, and uh, everybody said, nah, get out of here, kid. And I, I, I was friends with Richard Foos, who owned Rhino Records. And we, were, we had a periodic lunch, you know, every once in a while, where we argue over mundane things like who has the best version of Mustang Sally and stuff <laughs> like that. And I said, hey, Richard, you know, um, people like this song. They're, they're sending me letters on, to NBC. And I said, how many do you need to sell to break even? He said, a couple of thousand. I'll guarantee you 2,000 records. <laughs> And, uh, and so he put it out just because he liked me. You know, he didn't mm -hmm. think he'd make any money. And next thing you know, it was that rare thing in the music business, an organic hit. I mean, the, the people asked for it. NBC told us they had more phone calls and letters than at any time in the history of the network. And how many did you end up selling? I don't know, about a million, you know. It's, it's, yeah, still, it's, still, it's, still, it's still selling, you know. It's still selling today. Yeah. Well, thanks Great. so much. Where can people get your book and CD and find out where you're Amazon. And they can find out where you're playing at your website? On BillyVera.com. Mr. Billy Vera, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Helena, let's get a quick score summary before we go to our break and then come back with our final round. Okay, after segment two, Jimmy has five points and Beth has eight. All right, we'll be back for our final round here on Go Fact Yourself right after this. Back 20 years from my life I'd fall down on my knees Kiss the ground that you walk on If I could just Are you awesome? Of course you are. You're listening to this show right now. But do you want to do something awesome? Then join us in beautiful Lake Arrowhead, California in June for a weekend full of inspiration, comedy, and friendship. Tickets for MaxFunCon 2018 are on sale right now. Visit MaxFunCon.com now to save your spot because they will sell out. 
That's maxfuncon.com. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Beth Littleford with eight points and Jimmy Pardo with five points. Once again, here's Jay Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much. And now it is time for our final round, a series of 10 true or false questions about a variety of topics. We'll alternate between each guest, keep the discussion to a minimum. Helen will keep score. Jimmy, are you ready? Uh-huh. Beth, are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Beth, true or false? It takes the Earth one year to travel around the sun. Um, true? Correct. That is correct. False. Jimmy, yep. true or false? There are eight continents on Earth. False. Correct. That's right. There are seven. Some say six. None say eight. <laughs> Beth, the Houston Astros used to be named the Colt 45s. True. Correct. That's right. They changed their name in 1965 when they moved to the Astrodome. Jimmy, advertising icon Betty Crocker was a real person. True. Incorrect. No, she was created by an agency in 1921. Good for that. Beth, kiwi fruit grows in bunches. False. Correct. That's right, they grow on their own stem. Jimmy, Greta Van Susteren is a Scientologist. True. Correct. That's right, according to multiple interviews. Beth, neither of Benedict Cumberbatch's parents used the last name Cumberbatch. True. Correct. That's right, his father had changed his own name, but Benedict changed it back to the old family name. Jimmy, Burt Reynolds turned down the role of Han Solo. True. Correct. That's right, according to his memoir. Beth, Bernie Sanders is Catholic. False. Correct. Surprisingly, someone named Bernie Sanders is a Jew. <laughs> Jimmy, Levi's sells a line of red velvet jeans called cake. False. Correct. That's correct, it is false, and let's hope it stays that way. All right, Helen is going to tally up the final score. Let's give a nice hand for both, Beth Littleford and Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> Helen, do we have our final score? We do! Beth Littleford has 13 points, and Jimmy Pardo has nine points! Congratulations, oh! Beth Littleford! You're smarter than me. Congratulations to you. You win the prize of being our first ever winner on Go Fact Yourself! Very exciting. Very exciting. Before we say goodnight, we want to give everyone a chance to promote any upcoming appearance, products, or services. Jimmy, what do you have going on? That of course, Never Not Funny, the podcast, uh, and then the, the new spinoff, Playing Games with Jimmy Pardo. You can find all of that at jimmypardo.com or nevernotfunny.com. Jimmy Pardo, ladies and gentlemen. And Beth Littleford. Wait, I'm just, um, you can look up my name on your DVR and it will tape things that I'm on. <laughs> Genius, Beth Littleford. <laughs> Your co-host tonight has been Helen Hong. Hi. I am going to be on CNN's Best and Worst of 2017 special airing the week of New Year's on CNN. And you can also find my performance dates at HelenHong.com. Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. And for me, I'm on Twitter at J underscore Keith. Please follow us on all social media. Media? Media. Media. <laughs> Stick with The media. internet thinks. Uh, we are on Twitter at GoFactorPod and on Facebook. Please like us at GoFactorPod. And uh, if you're in the Los Angeles area, please come to our tapings. We've got them on select Sundays all through the rest of the year and into the next year. That just leaves me to thank Beth Littleford, Jimmy Pardo, Dr. Stephen Witherly, Billy Vera, and of course our live audience here. I'm J.K. Van Stratton. Good night. Go Fact Yourself, a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J.P. Van Stratton, comes to you via transcription from Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. 
questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Christian Duenas. David McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Mike Avellanos, CJ Miller, and Dave Bianchi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.